What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy Rufus, and we are back at it again with the third episode of the sixth season of the Rufus Rundown, year six. And we bring back a very special guest in this episode, fourth appearance for the one and only Brandon Mendes, head football coach over at Old Colony Regional Vocational Technical High School. Uh, quite some time now since I guess I've graduated and moved on. Pretty much the same time where I started this podcast is when I graduated from there. So been quite some time. And in that time, uh, Brandon's continued his success over there, coaching the Cougars, also obviously with the softball team as well, but obviously focusing on uh, the fo- more of the football aspect of things today. So, Coach Mendes, how are we doing? Oh, outstanding, Lucas. How you doing? I'm doing great. As you can see, the new... Uh, New house setups made it a couple of appearances now with the new season. Got the closet stacked up with all the nice clothes and everything in the back. So obviously some things to add to the backdrop as we we move on. But, you know, life is good out here in Worcester. Obviously nice, better nice. than the uh, TCU women's basketball team. But we'll get to that later later in the episode. Ooh, rough, rough times, rough times. Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's an honor to be four-time. Four-time member, huh? Leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Certainly the leader in the clubhouse. So uh, I had the chance to uh, interview Coach Mendes um, in terms of the an article that I'll be writing based off of what we're going to be kind of talking about during this episode as well. It was very in-depth, like an entire like season uh, kind of outlook into how he was able to garner a lot of the awards that he got, but also uh, what their season looked like as a whole. It was a really good conversation, um, and it'll certainly be one of the more impressive, I think, writing pieces that I'll be able to feature on my page. And it'll, again, it'll feature a lot of different, you know, parts of this kind of discussion. It'll be more of an in-depth look into what we talked about today, uh, more or less. So I'm excited to be able to uh, release that. But without further ado, we'll get into it uh, today. But before we get to what we're talking about uh, with Old Colony again, it's another. Another tease now. I'm just just letting them rip here. We're just just teasing <laughs> event after event here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna start it off with uh, some news that really I think shocked. The whole, maybe not shocked as much considering the record, but I, I still think the people in New England are trying to get used to this. And that is great, great, great image there of uh, Bill oh, Belichick. <laughs> um, Bill Belichick part mutually parting ways is the term that they used. I'm not. I'm not too sure if that's uh, if that's how exactly it went down, but that's the terminology they're using. And, and again, they sold it well in the press for anybody that didn't see the the way that uh, him and Robert Kraft went about their business. But um, how, what was your reaction to the Bill Belichick news? I was disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Um, no, I, he's a great, great football coach. Um, I I think. The GM duties might have taken a, a bit too much of his time. Or I don't want to say too much of his time, but I think that um, really puts a negative mark on otherwise what's a phenomenal coaching career. Um, I wasn't ready to scrap it, in, in my opinion. But I'm not in, you know, I'm not in Gillette every day. Not in those meetings. I don't know what the relationship between the owner and coach and the player and coaches and things like that are. So, um, you know, unfortunately, they mutually parted ways. Again, I like your phrases, how they phrased it. I don't know if I will, and anyone will ever know the real truth behind that. Um, 
But I, I was certainly disappointed in moving on from Bill because I don't know that you're going to get a better coach, um, especially given the state of the team um, personnel-wise, especially on the offensive side of the ball, things like that. So disappointment is my uh, my word. I mean, you mentioned personnel like as well too, which was part of his department with the GM and the head coach label. So I described it originally as I think my original take on the matter was is that it was clear that his you know having the having to do both his GMing and how I guess that's the verb I'll use it's probably not correct there's his general management or general mismanagement in this in this case affected his ability as a football coach which was unfortunate so his coaching ability suffered because of his inability as of a as a general manager now that's not cons- everybody's trying to make it seem like he did not find people for his entire career. They're trying to say that he couldn't draft or whatever. Recently, yes, he's missed on a lot of offensive talent. And considering how quickly the league moved and how important the wide receiver position has be- become, and but we're not going to act like he didn't get Gronk in the second round. He didn't make wheel and deal time at times for the Dion Branch and bringing in Rodney Harrison, Lawyer Malloy going the other way. Uh, there's uh, you know Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, like there's. You know, a countless amount of times where he's been able to get not just something out of nothing, but like really incredible talents and transcendent players all over the field. Um, Perfectly knew when to cut guys loose, as Edelman's been saying on the uh, Colin Cowherd show and out there, he's been able to say that, you know, it's a results business and value understanding, you know, the value system and contracts and the salary cap. Like there's few better if like none at all in terms of that side of the game as well too as a general manager so people trying to act like he's never been able to do it is not just an incredible stretch it's just completely false he's had success at, now but now recently like i had mentioned it was uh it was certainly something that handcuffed him as a head coach and we'll get to see the nfc south i get to see him in the nfc south so the whole patriots dynasty just follows my team down to the nfc south <laughs> i guess huh uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. I feel about that kind of destination, but I mean, they don't have a quarterback no. either. So I, no. I, I know. I mean, do you think that he would have like, if there was a job that he probably fit better in than the Falcons. Like, do you think that that's like a fair place for him to land? Or would you like rather have seen him at a place that was more like closer to contend than them? I know like they said that he wanted the project team, but like, look at the chargers. Oh yeah. But the problem with the, the West coast is it's too long of a plane ride to Nantucket. <laughs> you gotta be close by. I mean, I thought uh, Sirianni uh, after the, the implosion and I hate that coaches are getting fired after, you know, one bad season or, I mean, the guy just had them in the Super Bowl last year, and they're talking about cutting Sirianni loose. I know he had some antics this year when things get tough, but I figured Philly would have been a heck of a landing spot because, like I said, that's a short private jet plane over to Nantucket anytime he likes, you know? Hop on the Grady White and do some do some blue fishing. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, and at this age, a project team, is that really what you're looking for, or is he just going – Somewhere where there is no culture and you, you he's just going to create his own culture over again. But I don't know that you're ever going to get that sort of dynasty. But tell it what it is. He's probably looking to get a record 
Um, I'd love to see him win another one. I mean, I've been saying it fairly consistently. Wherever he goes, I'm going to root for other than the Cowboys, which we know that's not happening, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, the the Cowboys one for me was certainly uh, a, to bring back McCarthy. Not, it's not like they haven't had success in the regular season, but it's clear that that's not the end goal. But it's Jerry. If Jerry Jones wants to bring it back and he you know, likes the winning football games, they're obviously one of the most profitable teams. That's the same thing with the Patriots. Like from a business perspective, they were still one of the most profitable organizations in professional sports. That's that's around the world um, in terms of where they ranked on that Forbes list. So from a business perspective, it's like kind of different from the perspective of wins and losses. And like you mentioned with Sirianni as well, too. I mean, it's just the collapse factor, right? And maybe the recency bias of that, that really affects it. I Again, I, I think it's clear that that locker room has lost its culture. But also, I think like in the sense where I think that they want, he wants to have, you know, be in a position where I think, again, he has pull over personnel. Not saying like complete command, but if he goes to a Philly, I mean, they haven't even let go over Sirianni yet. And that, you know, could be Howie Roseman to make that decision as well. But if he went to Philly, there's no way he has any player personnel capabilities because of how successful Howie Roseman's actually been able to be. And then the Chargers, you look out there. I mean, I think that they're, I don't think he, they parted ways with the GM. So if he went out there, I don't know if they're, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh, it that just screams out to Jim Harbaugh on the West Coast there. I mean, his value will never be higher. Uh, no matter what, even if he's using the NFL to get his value up for this next college contract, like this is the highest value we've seen Jim Harbaugh at. Uh, he's accomplished everything he has to at the collegiate level. I, I think it'd be a great time for him to take a step back into uh, the NFL, but that's a you know different conversation for another day. But in terms of the build thing, I just don't want I don't want to see him in the South. But I also want I want to see him succeed. I don't want this to become the whole like, oh he it was Brady all along. Like, I really do want to see him succeed and I do want to see him even win another Super Bowl like I really want to see him prove people wrong because again not once but twice now there's been and again it's not to you know um really just throw this on an entire fan base once again because it's not everybody but two greats have been pushed out of town like they've been said good riddance we didn't need you we don't want you whatever and then one didn't say thank thank you when he retired and everybody got upset how'd you not thank us like when they were rushing him out of town and they had these headlines out there and the same thing with Bill, where the entire New England sports media has found a way to just crush him, the Felgers and the Maz of the world. Now, again, like they're selling clicks, you know, they're selling reaction, and yeah. maybe I'd be better off if I was out here saying that Bill Belichick wasn't the greatest coach of all time. Sure, people would click on the video, but I'm just gonna look, you know, I'm just gonna look like a jerk. So, so when I do, I try to, you know, give my honest opinion. There's sometimes where I might have a hot take, but it's what I believe. But from that perspective is like, yeah, I do want to see Bill succeed for that reason. I'm sure that you have kind of the same thing. Like he brought you a lot of joy and obviously a lot of other people as well, too, in terms of his coaching staff. I know you're a big uh, Matt Patricia guy. I don't know if you still rock the defense shirt now at this point. He's had a rough go of it as of late. Might not have the, have the mojo you want there. No, that, that shirt's been retired, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've moved on. We have a new pregame shirt. Um, <laughs> you'd enjoy it, but uh, yeah. Oh, Matt Patricia. The wheels fell off of that one. Um, yeah, I, I, still disappointed. Disappointed. Like you said, the radio, the Boston sports media has been ruthless, and that's disappointing. Because, um, like I said, I don't, I don't know that we'll ever know the real truth of what actually has transpired. You know, um, as this was all going down, I'm 
streaming 98.5 through my computer at work, trying to get some work done and listen to, you know, the press conference and what was going down. And and you start getting the theories of, well, you know, was, was, was the initial divide created when there was a disagreement over Tommy? Or, you know, was Mac Jones pushed on Bill? And all the other things that have come with that, I don't know that we'll ever really know. But I hope the Patriots and Gerard Mayo have some success, but I also hope Bill gets one more, gets the all-time win record, things like that. So we'll we'll see. We'll see, you know. What are your thoughts on the Gerard Mayo hiring? I know at least for me personally, um, I think it's kind of strange. Or, you know, it's been 24 years since you, you went out into the open market and, you know, you're mutually parting ways with the greatest coach of all time and you're saying, hey, it's time. it was time for us to like, both sides to go for a change. And your reaction is to bring in one of the guys that were on his staff without really, at least, you know, noticeably looking to outside sources because everybody's like, oh, McDaniels and Flores, there were rumored people. And then they said that they talked, they gave Flores at least a phone call. Maybe, you know, maybe they shot him a text and said, hey, by the way, Bill's stepping down. Like, you know, it didn't seem like there was any, they, they had their guy. They had the contract written out the way they wanted to and they had their guy. And I just thought it was kind of strange to do that after 24 years of just having the same guy locked in. Like, don't get me wrong, a great success, but I think if you're going to change things up, you might want to at least look out, really look outside of what you had going on. Yeah, and that, like, you know, I I was high on Flores. I was high on Vrabel, obviously. Um, and Mayo's one of my favorite players of all time, you know, one of the better linebackers to ever play in New England. Um, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, you to not even... I mean, you almost promised the guy the, the job in advance and then to not outreach, not interview, not think outwardly, unless there's something we don't know, I guess. But I I think even to do the lip service of some interviews and, um, you know, something. But that being said, you know, he he obviously brings value to the table. He's obviously a good football coach. Um, I just wish they would put a strong, strong personnel person, GM, with him and help the guy out. Um, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine today. You know, you're putting this kid in a tough spot with your, your offense is in disarray. Um, you know, you're you're stepping in to, out of the shadow of the guy you played for, the only system you ever knew, the best football coach of all time. Um, and, and you haven't drafted well in a few years. So other than the defense is solid, you know, other than that, that's got a lot of work to do just on the, the coaching end, much less all the other moving parts as a brand new head coach. That's a big, that's a big undertaking. Now to kind of go with like you person, what was it like for you to take over for, old colony when you stepped in as a new head coach what was that experience like for you to kind of i mean obviously it's a little bit different than taking over for bill belichick but what was it like for you as a head coach stepping into a, a new position and a new well it wasn't a new school to you but it was a new program in a sense but you hadn't been around the oc football at all yeah it was uh anytime you take a new job in that kind of position a huge responsibility um and and i spent Hours on hours on hours, from starting from scratch, developing everything from a code of conduct to uh, trying to think of every 
possible scenario, you know, parent meeting, things like that, before I even got to the football part of it. And then it was, you know, defensive game. I started with a defensive game plan. This is going to be our base defense. This is what it's going to look like. And it was an offensive game plan. And that was not even really knowing personnel other than seeing kids in the hallway or seeing them on the baseball field, you know? Um, it's a huge, huge, like, undertaking. And that's a small, small high school compared to this sort of major, you know, <laughs> one of the, you know, you said one of the most profitable franchises in the world. Um, but it, it, it was a lot. It was a lot to take on. Um, but particularly, I, I'm a particular type of person who has to have all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and have to have a vision and, you know, that's where we started and kept the expectations at a attainable yet growing level. Um, that was really the important thing was that set all the bones in place and then work on goals and just try to stretch them and still, still stretching them today. You know, the bones are still there. Um, We've developed them a little bit more, and now we've got some solid, you know, traditions and things like that. But uh, those were, those are all part of you know the, the the start. Now, he's stepping in on the staff. Obviously, you weren't on staff; you were at the school. So, obviously, being around in the environment, I'm sure that that helped. And do you think it obviously probably would have helped even more if you'd stepped on just from being an assistant coach on the staff? I'm sure, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, to know the inner workings, I mean, um, it's tough when you take something over. You know, my prior career, the same thing. You walk in and walk into a store of people you don't know, and all of a sudden you're the boss. Um, you know, you don't want to go in guns blazing and change everything right off the rip, but you also, it's your name on that wall. You know what I mean? Uh, for lack of a better phrase. Um you want to make sure that things go one, how you want them, and two, successfully. So, um, you know, being in st- on staff would probably help because you know the inner workings. You know how to work with all the personnel and the different departments or whatever um, instead of just walking in blind. And it, it's almost like trying to develop, a, you, you know, you got to develop a rapport and things like that before you can even start the next step. So I think being on staff may help Mayo um, because of, you know, he knows all the staffers. He's known around the stadium and the offices and things like that. Um, he's going to have an idea of how the game plan was portrayed and things like that. Um, and then probably, I'm sure, put his own spin on things, you know. I'm sure, I mean, I know football guys are big routine guys. and I'm sure he's been, in the, obviously, with the routine of Belichick and everything. I'm sure he's going to change some of the things up, though, as well, too, and you mentioned the lip service too, and it's something that I don't know if I've spoke about in the podcast yet, but it obviously I've you know, spoken about um, off camera with you know many people, and the fact that they didn't even you know at least notably interview anybody or anything. And even if you were going to stick with Mayo, right? You have the contract, you're ready to make it work, and you can go you know even further than like what we believe to you know kind of have basically promised him the position beforehand. But even go further and say like, no, it is yours, but we're gonna do we're gonna do you this favor. You interview a lot of people. Hey, we went through a very tough, rigorous, and difficult, you know, interviewing process. And, you know, 37-year-old youngest head coach in the NFL, Gerard Mayo, was still our favorite and best option, even throughout all of that interviewing. 
And the other thing that I look at it as too is they're still going to find a way to trash Bill Belichick because, of course, his coaching tree has not had a lot of success in the NFL. And, and now they're just going to have another way to bring Bill Belichick's name into their mouth. Not that I think Robert Kraft particularly cares about that. I'm sure the media didn't influence anything because they went with one of the guys in-house. They didn't care, you know. Um, and nor should they because I'm not a multi-billionaire businessman and I don't I don't really don't know any better. I'm just a talking head at this point. But the fact that they didn't, I, I, I think, A, didn't go and allow even just like you said, do the lip service, just do like kind of BS around it and be like, hey, he still you know came out on top even though he was going to be their guy all along. And people very well might have, you know, came to that conclusion even throughout all of that. And that still might have come out later. But I still think like that would have done him a little bit of help. But also... It's still going to allow people to keep uh, keep Bill Belichick's name in their mouth, which because it's it's a part of that you know that coaching tree now because he coached underneath them, so they might still find a way to be like, oh, the Patriots, you know, they might still stink three years down the road, and they might be able to come back and say, well, it's because Belichick didn't prepare him, and you know X Y Z. So I'm interested to see how it all plays out. I wish both of them success. I hope they both do well as much as. Patriots fans can get on my nerves. I do th- I, I do think that, like, you know, Gerard, the former player, linebacker breed now, you see Antonio Pierce having some success and the leadership that these former players have shown, I like it. Um, from a guy from my own perspective of, you know, leadership and the position and everything like that, I, I just, you know, I've, I hope that these line, like, you know, especially the linebacker position, on-field on defensive play callers or the green dot or whatever, it, you know, However, it may be clearly like these, you know, motivational types are kind of making the way back as long as you have the right piece in place around you. And they've, you know, we'll see how they hire well. See so he brings in Cliff Kingsbury is a guy. Um, some people are looking at Antonio Pierce. They've, you know, they've talked about younger guys. You know, more open-minded offensive play callers because you see that you know, they have defensive coaches. However, they go, but pretty much all I got in the the Bill Belichick front we can transit but it's we're going to stay on the, the the coaching topic though again we're still looking to break into um your accolades this season with the Cougars but I did want to run this video by not just by you but everybody if anybody didn't see it on my Twitter um the D'Amico Ryan's clip who you know he very well might not get coach of the year because Kevin Stefanski had a very good year with the Browns but I don't know to be a rookie head coach and doing what he's doing but Speaking of the linebacker position and leadership uh, potential, D'Amico Ryans is another one that fits that mold. And take a look at this video here, D'Amico Ryans and his linebacker Christian Harris and the advice that he gave him in their playoff game against the Cleveland Browns. You just hang right there and just play the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Play the quarterback. As soon as he snap, step in front of it, go pick. Yes, sir. Tell you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Fourth and two from the Browns, 33. It's picked off. Here we go to the left, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. Second pick six of the game. Zone defense. So here's Harris. His eyes are on the quarterback. And at the last minute, he breaks underneath in front of the intended target, Harrison Bryant. Had to run you over. I know. I'm sorry, baby. It's, uh, you know he's exciting out here. I don't want to hurt you. I got you. Yeah, no, please don't. <laughs> sorry. I don't know what that ref's talking about. Run over to Miko Ryan's. It looks like Demico Ryan's is still out there and go play linebacker. So that ref might be flattering himself there. I don't. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I thought it was such a unique clip. And I don't know if you have any personal stories like this in terms of uh, your coaching days at all. I mean, 
obviously having and even playing days too. I don't know. I don't know if there's any times where a coach has put you in that position, but if you had any insight on a moment like that in terms of you know, the ability you have as a coach and you know the experience and being able to see things, I know Coach Doby's put me in positions like that as well too, where it's basically been the same thing. Exactly where I was going with that. Um, I get to watch the maestro at work. That clip reminds me of him, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And then in-game, it's funny, you know, because we see that in practice. Like, oh, you just sit there. They run this. I guarantee you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Fair enough, on Friday night, the guy's spot on, you know. Um, And it's actually... When he's not spot on, he, he can tell he gets upset with himself. Um, it's pretty. It's kind of funny, but that I love a clip like that. It on the the offensive play calling side, you get you get that same kind of rush when you you call a play which is a, maybe a little bit one off, or maybe isn't on the you know the, the second and short card you know in the in the categories, and you just got a feeling and you call it and it hits. Um, it's that same kind of rush. Like I told you, I told you, I knew it, you know, and then the, the kids execute it and you, you love to see it. Um, but I love to see a coach like D'Amico Ryan's having played linebacker myself. Um, like you said, the leadership and the, you get to see the game a little bit differently than almost everyone else. And, um, you know, nice, nice young coach for getting his guys to play like that. And, faith and the the belief and that's just a phenomenal clip i was so excited when i when you posted that today yeah i mean i think from it's not every day you get to see a coach like that that's like been in that position because not every you know head coach more specifically head coach i mean sometimes the position coaches yeah they've played but you don't see every time like a head coach that um has played and played at the high level because like guys like again like Jordan mayo D'Amico ryan's antonio pierce they played at a pretty high level for the period of time that they were in the league. So it's not just that these guys, they have played, but like that they have played at a high level. And I just thought it was a, a super unique thing. And like, again, like maybe I'll be going overboard with saying coach of the year, but like, because you don't have that clip from Stefanski. I mean, he's worked with Joe Flacco off the couch, made him look pretty good. Um, since actually went through some of his staff as well to letting him go. So to think that that was going on at the same time and where the expectations are going to be, maybe that was more related to Deshaun Watson getting hurt and when they were struggling then. But Again, back to the D'Amico Ryan's point. I mean, again, I, there's just certain things like I, I think of the hiring process and stuff too that that might have kind of like influenced the way that these people look at the former players and the younger head coaches now as we move towards like this more younger dynamic. Not saying that it you know cuts a guy like Bill Belichick out of it. He still had a lot of success, and I'm sure he brings a lot to the table because I, I think Tony Dungy was telling a story the other day about how uh, Bill Belichick, um, Tony Dungy had never played. He was always a gunner on the outside, and they wanted him to block a punt. So they had him in there, and then he, like, you know, Belichick, you know, took him out to eat or whatever, took him out after, and I, f- I forget where it was. I was telling him you have to envision the ball here, and you have to watch the way he plants his foot, and you have to extend out and not, like, go in the air, but, like, push forward and envision the ball being there, and he blocked his first punt. And then when he was going to coach, he was trying to be one of the defense, uh, a DB coach, and he was interviewing with the Giants and the Parcells team. And, you know, Bill was like, you know, um, now you know, we're talking about cover three. What would you do in cover three if they ran this route concept? And he goes, well, coach, this team hasn't really run that, so I really don't know what we do against it because we haven't seen it. He goes, you have to have an answer for something that they haven't even run yet. You have to have answers for that. So I just think, like, again, like 
the contrast between good coaching and bad coaching is 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 not, it, there's it's not even close, and you don't get access to all of it like that. So I think getting to see a clip of like the good coaching like that is is super impressive. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, like I said, that the clip like that excites me because I feel on a small level we do some of that and we prepare some of that way, or we always have an answer and on the especially on the defensive side and then on the offensive side like. You know when you come out and you, you run a new set or you, you're hitting something that hasn't been on film yet, you're saying, oh, I gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, I, I gotcha. Um, so for like for Ryan's to pick up that sort of like, hey, they're doing this. He knew the quarterback read. Like, that was like awesome, awesome, awesome clip. I loved it. Now that I'm thinking of it, D'Amico Ryan's probably played against Joe Flacco. He's probably been in the same okay. exact position that Harris was in to even – to even further that, I mean, I know we've been in, I mean, maybe not in positions where you've told us, but I wasn't getting the play calls in high school, but uh, like there were certain plays where we'd flip a power and we'd go like across the formation. So it would be, I there's one play against South Shore. I remember the like Jared, what, Jared ran for like a 50, 60 yard touchdown. We've been running like the near side power on the kick. And then it was the other way. And I ended up like clogging up two guys in one block and Jared just went. So it was just, a little bit of that change up where they just, you know, get, you know, get them lulled into something. And then, you know, the home run's going to hit and working towards that home run. I think it's even more fun for an offensive play call a defense. It's like reactive, but offense, like you can really set somebody up. And I think I learned some of that with flag as well too this summer, being able to coach flag and some of the routes there too, where, you know, you bring a guy in motion, you know, like there's just certain things that you're going to be able to do. Or even like, I think I started throwing hail Marys and I was people like, I put like a quad bunch out there with like, four of the tallest dudes. I think it was Quinn, Sean, Max, and Luke. And they were like, you want us all on the same side? I said, dude, he's going to throw it up in there. If one of you dudes can't come down, like, I mean, there's no way. One of you is coming down with it. I don't think there's a single Hail Mary we didn't complete, which is crazy to think. But, I mean, <laughs> there's not much behind that. But, like, just, you know, once you start to get to, like, those points where it's just you just know you're in, you have the athletes in, in place and, you know, it's just going to come. And they can just allow them to react. I think, like, again, like, allowing – got to play with confidence like that too. I know as a coach, like that's the biggest thing is that we talked about it in the interview is this making it simple, but yet effective allows them to play with confidence. And I know my time there was there and my, my second year of college football was a lot like that too. The D line coach where it was just like, he just made like, again, like it would be, we just go through it. Film was so much fun. You breaking down these things, if not this, then this. And then, but it just, uh, it was so simple for me to see it like from like the film perspective too. I think that helps a lot with it too. But again, can't really teach the reactions unless you've been in the position. So again, from the perspective of not just any, any coaching level really where you can have that. I know you have a guy like Brad on staff too. I'm sure his ability to coach like instinctively, there was he's probably one of the better instinctive football players that I've ever played with. And he probably wouldn't tell you that himself. And you probably wouldn't be able to tell it from looking at him at that time, but at the end of the day, he was. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's it's fun to have 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 you guys around and to pitch in and to get another perspective, um, and to hear you guys speak our language and things like that. Um, just to circle back and and like you said about playing with confidence and like Ryan's, you can hear him instilling the confidence in his player there and like we try to do with you and it's the same thing with coaching like you know working with yourself over the summer or brad this season like to let you know it's okay to coach the way you want to coach and you can be confident in what you're doing even if 
you know, you feel like, uh, maybe I don't know, or maybe I'm not sure it's the right thing. Screw it. Let it rip. You know what I mean? Let the kids play, let them have fun and show them that you're confident in them so they can play with confidence. Um, it's the only way football is effective is if you play with confidence. Cause if you don't, you, it's not a game you can play timidly. That's for sure. You know, we'd rather have you play physical and confident and make a mistake than to overthink or to play timid because you're unsure what you're supposed to do. And you're not going to have success with every time. And it's not always the kind of transition into um, your recent season with old colony. So like, Again, like it's not gonna you just they're gonna get you on certain plays too. I mean, you are playing against people that are also trying to beat you. And I think that a lot of times once we get to these levels too where people kinda start to forget that where it's like talk about betting spreads and stuff like that, and it's like almost forget. There's an opponent over there. There's guys playing for their jobs and careers, playoff spots, whatever it may be. It's, I mean, even as you get up to the NFL, I mean look at the Jags being upset by the Titans and Vrabel and you saw that interview with Mike Vrabel saying because losing sucks. And yep. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more there that I hate to lose more than I like to win, which might not be the healthiest of mindsets. But I tell you what, it drives me to do things that I might not do if I just that I was just there for the thrill of being there, you know. So I, it's certainly a, a unique perspective. And we can now kind of transition to this past season with Old Colony and the success that you found to allow yourself to be the not just the team success going all the way to, not the it wasn't the it wasn't the semis it was the quarter quarterfinals uh, we yeah the quarterfinals correct this this year this time around it was the final four last year but of course running into the injury bug and dealing with a lot of other adversities all throughout the season that again will be mentioned in the article that I'll be releasing uh, hopefully sometime next week but. Now the MIAA coach of the football coach of the year for the state of Massachusetts, but also NFHS, uh, NFHS network. There we go. That's English section one coach of the year as well. And still up for grabs is the national high school football coach of the year. So more of a individual focus here, but of course, like you've mentioned before, you know, it kind of with the product of what they do on field, it, it just, really represents the whole, the school altogether as a whole. So first and foremost, congratulations on those honors and hoping you get that national honor as well. But once again, what was it like to receive the notice that you were getting these accolades? Yeah. Uh, I Thank you for the congrats. Um, shock, shock at first. I didn't, you know, think anything of it. Um, I wouldn't something I wouldn't even consider. I mean, just on the guys I coach with alone <laughs> should be coaches of the year, much less all the guys across the state. I mean, just the guys, you know, I look back at last season, I coached Shriners with, I mean, I coached with phenomenal, phenomenal coaches there. So to even be mentioned, much less win an award, um, that guys like that are considered for is insanely flattering. Um, you know, so my initial shock turned into you know f- overfilled with pride and got a little emotional and then I got to share it you know um in school with my son we, you know he came in I kind of tucked my laptop at him and said hey check this email out um sent it over to my dad while he was working and um you know just a heck of a heck of a thing to to to, to kind of see pop through email um you know and 
as we prepared, you know, I was getting ready to go up for the MIA award banquet and another email popped through for the sectional award. And that was almost, I almost didn't believe that one. I kind of forwarded it off to our athletic director, Matt Trahan. And I was like, is this, a, is this real? Is this a big deal? He was like, oh no, that's a real big deal. Um, so, you know, it, it, the individuality of it is super. Um, I think my, my running line the whole time has been at some point in my career, I'll look back at this and, and realize how special and amazing it was. Um, right now, I think it's more about the school the team, our football team, earning the recognition they deserve, getting them some love, putting them in the, in, in the forefront, in the limelight. Um, and it's just another step on like those goals we were talking about earlier. Um, it's just another step that we're trying to expand a little bit, you know. Well, you got outside guys like DVs that were, you know, transitioning to play tackle. A lot of injuries you dealt with. How many, you know, what, three three quarterbacks? Three different quarterbacks throughout the season? Or am, yeah. I, am I getting the number wrong? Pitts, Markham, Chase. LaFountain, yep. So oh, yeah. that's, that's the three different quarterbacks still all the way to the – you know, state quarterfinals in this even more so, especially with the way that they've you know changed things around with the point system and everything. Still being able to make it happen and not getting dealt the Florida State situation, which is a which is which is a plus. And then obviously losing a you know starting running back and Max Finney and host of I mean there's a host of other names and things that were going on. I mean, really no mistake to find that type of success and those guys to you know rally behind you there and you be able to you know keep it together. Like I said, one. When it comes to, I, I think, coaching, and especially at the, the game of football, um, it's a one hand kind of feeds the other type thing. It really is a is a partnership in, in terms of how everything goes because you, you know if you're you're coaching well and you have the you know ears of the group and everybody's ready to work with you, then you're going to be able to get your points across and everything, and it's going to help them play better because you're a good, you know, good coach. So as long as you're on the same page, things should go the way that, you know, you want them to go and they need to go and the goals that you have set out. And if there's any disconnects there, well, that's that's when you start to see what's going on. But obviously with you being able to, you know, having now been there for, been an OC for what now? Is this going to be going on? Uh, that I just wrapped up my ninth season. So my it'll be my 10th season in the fall. 10th season, which is crazy. And I was there for the yeah. first one, which is even, uh, even crazier just to make myself feel right. old. Um, <laughs> to think yeah. about when we were doing these podcasts during COVID and now come around, yeah. but obviously having built that culture and that culture now gaining ground on the recognition of you, which I think you'd mentioned in the article that we um, had done as well. Not to keep going back to back and forth to that because it'll come out, but that like, and you would just mentioned now that it was just as much and, you know, with getting your recognition there too, it, it does go, it does show for what the school has been able to do as well too, with the, the team and the numbers and everything like, you're working with, you know, less than 40 guys for the most part on average, and you're losing. You go through three quarterbacks. Never mind the other positions on the field. It's just impressive. How like how much did it really take to overcome each each injury? I mean, not all of them happening at once, but was there a certain point or a certain injury where you were like, "Well, we've you know, can't get any worse," right? I think uh, you know. I think every week there was one big one. Just check names off the list. Check names off the list. Um, 
you know, I've never seen so many broken collarbones and whatnot in one season. But um, regardless, uh, the when we hit, you know, the the, the first round playoff game, um, without Pitts, losing Stu, um, I think that that's when, you know, we ran out. We made a, make a joke like sticking bubble gum in a dam, um, and we had kids given everything they had to be the best possible bubble gum, but I think we finally finally ran out of, of adhesive or whatever you want to call it because, um, you know, we just too, too many guys playing out of position or moving around that eventually it caught up with us, um, especially playing a, you know, a, a good playoff team, you know, that those things happen. Um, but I, the, the one thing I can't say is the kids, even in that game, the game we lost in the playoffs never quit. They scrapped and scrapped and scrapped till the final whistle. Um, you know, it's a huge compliment. It's, it's probably in a loss is the best compliment that I can get is the opposing coach, you know, in, you know, the post game handshake telling me, you can't believe how hard our kids played till the bitter end and how much they fought to the bitter end. Um, and if there's anything that, I think you know we kind of pride ourselves on is that sort of competitiveness and fight that there is no quitting, um, there is no opportunity to quit. We we don't do that. Um, so I, I I think eventually, you know, we we're plugging plugging too many holes, but we we've scrapped to the bitter end. So um, that that's the best I could ask for, you know. I like can't really. It speaks for itself, really. When you get when you look at those awards and stuff, it's like no mistake there as to why like guys are willing to do that much for you and put that much out there. Is that that's why, you know, you're able to get that out of them and vice versa. So that's why it comes together and you have the success and the culture again that we've talked about so much. That's going to now move you up into a conference where there'll be two Mayflower small teams moving up, but you being the lone D8 team now up in this next. Mayflower Large Conference with the, you know, string of successful years and consistency. Now the ability to take on a, you know, a bigger objective. And I know, like, being able to be told that, like, in a loss, can't believe how hard they play. I remember when I played, it was just an opposing coach came out in the paper and said that they just, you know, his guy, those guys wanted it more than us. And that was on a homecoming. And I was like, whew, whew. <laughs> That was, um, um, and, 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 you know, that still have that clip. That one for me was like, I think the greatest compliment that I've ever been paid as a player. I think my coach Franklin told my dad, like, I don't know what it is, but that is, but he's out there. We're playing better. I'm out there playing with one arm, <laughs> like my shoulders is out of it. It's just, just not even attached to my body anymore. Um, uh, but no, I think, sir, I, I mean, it, from a player perspective, being told that, you know, you can just check, like, like admittedly, like a coach admitting that they just wanted it more, or just and not being able to believe like how hard they play, not even being able to, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you know, you understand how hard your own team plays, but being able to look across and just be like, wow, I can't believe, basically saying I wish my guys played that hard, and you just haven't, you know, beaten the beaten a team and still thinking like, and all they can think to say is like, wow, I can't believe that's impressive, like the effort there. I mean especially at the high school level, is few better because that just, you know, in terms of how that molds someone's character moving on, super impressive. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's one of those character things, you know, even in the Final Four loss to Hull last year, you know, their coach walked away and said, 
you know when you play Old Colony, you're playing football. You're, you're leaving that game knowing you just played 48-minute football game. That doesn't always happen, you know. And in that season, they were really good. Um, and, he, you know, that was a huge compliment that he paid us that he, they knew they played a football game, probably their toughest of the year in that game. So, um, and But to speak upon this team, you know, to do what we did this year, uh, I think fortitude is a strong word that I would use. Um, I might have used more colorful adjectives in the locker room. But um, fortitude is probably the word I would best best use to describe this team. They just had a particular type of toughness and grit um, they showed up with every day that, that really let them hang on um, and, and let us get it, get through some of the things and accomplish what we did this year. So particularly proud of this team, as I am every year. You know, every year, every team has something. And it's funny, the, these seniors now are kind of circling back and, like, things starting to hit them, like, oh, a couple months left of school, I'm almost out of here. I'm lacrosse season away from graduating and a couple of us had to ask like you know what's our you know they hear us talk about alumni or kids that played or kind of want to know like what are you going to say about us what's that going to be like or you know what's your impression of our team and i think having that fortitude is is uh one of the things that will always stick with me with this particular group and just again for you to be able to come back in years for reunion and know that that's that's what it meant. That's what it was. I know. I know for us, Trahan threw Hall of Fame out. They go, "That'd be back here in a couple of years to the Hall of Fame." And I was like, "Huh? What? I like that? <laughs> he, he threw that out there um, at us in my group." But well, you, you guys were the first in twenty years to win a league, so you know it was um, big deal. Yeah, big deal. Throwing the belt on there, but I know, like, again, fortitude is just to know that no matter what, like, again, like the whole. I mean. To be cliche, life's gonna knock you down. You get back up, and to be able to have these firsthand lessons and accounts, and you know, relationships built with people, and again, you never forget it. I mean, again, people say it like you don't know. I mean, you really don't know until you know. So you can tell a sophomore and a junior all day. You can even tell a senior, but up until that last snap of that Thanksgiving game, that last snap of that playoff game, there is no, there's no feeling like it in terms of. It's not reward anymore. It's just unless you get that championship, but even then, like it's over. It's over. I mean, some guys go to play on the next level. I don't know you mentioned um, some of you guys going and looking at you know places and you know recruiting, which is which is crazy to think of with OC too, where it's like I know like Jack Murphy was one of the first. Where he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go play the next level. Jake Murphy making the same decision and myself and dealing with some injuries and going on to play at the next level. Um, but now you have true studs coming through there, which once again. Cannot say, not stress this enough. Not to knock my teammates in my group or anything, but some of the athletes that I got to coach this summer, I'm looking up, <laughs> my cousin included. I'm just looking up around like Christmas. Go to shake my cousin's hand. He's gonna be not even a senior in high school. He's just yeah, I'm actually doing. Looking up at him, and I'm not a smaller dude. I, I mean, I'm I'm at least six feet tall. I'm looking up all these athletes, I would have killed to play with some of these athletes, and I think that's. One of the closing points I'll make with this OC team too is for how many good things you can say and how many injuries you dealt with and everything and how much we, how you know, highly we can speak of um, what you've been able to do coaching wise and the awards and everything, but also the the character of these young individuals. You got some serious athletes there, and I think that 
the state of Massachusetts and not just you know the South Coast locally. I think the state of Massachusetts now knows that OC is here to hang. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 uh it's fun to see, fun to coach. Um, and I think part of it, you know, hopefully is that the work that has been done over time. I mean, I know we talked about your class in particular being a transitional class for building culture, and I think. It's not looked upon anymore as the little Volk school that just goes out and plays other small Volk schools. Um, I think it's a place where if you're an athlete, you can get a good education, learn a trade, and go play. Um, and, and play at a, a very, very good level. I mean, after you guys, we've had a few other guys who have gone on. Um, played, you know, a couple guys played at UMass, things like that. Um a couple more that probably should have played and ended up in the military or things like that, but you can't knock guys for that. That's for damn sure. Um, so uh, I think it's it's we've started that culture and the, the schools now looked at differently, spe- specifically the football program as a place where it's earned respect and you can play, and you can go on and play at the next level from there too. You know, um, and, and it's hard when you look at kids and oh, well, I think if I go to my comprehensive school, the bigger school, I'm going to get a scholarship or things like that. And you never want to crutch a kid. But you want to have that honest conversation, like how many scholarship athletes are, are coming out of this area and how many do you think you play? Like as long as whatever you're doing, be confident and be sure that this is what you want for your future. And if you do that, then I'm going to back you 100%, you know? Don't make a decision because you think uh, this is what's better because I think I can do this. Be confident in whatever you do, but um, I'm saying that we, I think, have changed our culture and the, the outside view that you can accomplish more and you can play at the next level after playing here. And I hope I'm not misplacing it too, but I believe Andre Tippett is the one that said bet on yourself. He he, he, had, he had things that have said that bet on yourself, right? I'm, I'm not... Confusing that, right? Because he obviously presented you with one of the awards of the week, I believe, too. I might even have presented you with the um, the MIA one, I'm imagining, because he's the one that goes around and normally does it, right? And I believe he's the one that came out with the article and said to bet on yourself. And I've always remembered that, too, in terms of everything that I've done in life. It's just, I like, I can make it, I'm going to make it happen. You know, I went, there's some down periods of time that I went through, and I was like, and eventually I just ended up saying, I'm going to myself. Like, I know, I know what I can do. I know what I'm going to be able to make happen. And, I think that's the biggest key there, too. And if, if you look at a season like you just had, there's no, again, no, in terms of like the, the life to, you know, football to life correlation, there's so many great lessons. And another season like that where, you know, you can get kicked down so many times and still get back up and still accomplish great things, I think that's no better example for, you know, a student athlete moving on to know that, hey, have some faith, believe in yourself, and go make things happen because no matter, you know, what's going at you, if you have that belief, you're going to be able to accomplish it. Absolutely. Yeah. And shout out Andre Tippett. What a guy, what a phenomenal experience that was when he came to the school and hung out for a couple hours and what a, what a, what a phenomenal program they have. And what a, what a great guy. Can't say enough about that experience as well. That one didn't hit me for a while either. So um, I'm sure the MIA and the sectional award will do the same, have the same effect at some point. So once again, coach, congratulations, and we'll be keeping, I'll be keeping, certainly be keeping an eye out for uh, the national award once it comes around. 
Now, while we're on the topic of losing some players to injuries, this is just a brief one before we get into our NFL picks to round out this episode for the upcoming playoff matchups. The TCU Horn Frogs women's basketball team went through, well, kind of what you went through, except for the fact that you didn't have to forfeit any games. They have dealt with so many injuries now at the Division I college level that they've had to forfeit two games on their schedule because they don't have enough players to go to work to play games. And as you mentioned when you saw there, holding open tryouts. What what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously the size of the rosters are different. What are your thoughts on a situation like this, having really just gone through one yourself in your past season? That's that's wild to think that a Division One college cannot field a team and has to has to give up two league conference games. I mean, I, you know, I know we joked about it before, but. You, you don't have, like, a, a JV or a club team. I know a lot of schools have things like that. I don't know if there's rules around Division One with scholarships and things like that, so I don't know if that plays into it or not. But, you know, you can't tell me on the campus of TCU that there's not some former women's basketball players running around that place, which I guess is just why they're having open tryouts, but... The fact that there's they had to forfeit two games is maddening. Like the the, the amount of resources and things that I, I just can't. And I and I you always have to put your safety of your players first. Like you probably can't go play forty minute game or whatever they play with. You know, is it? Yeah, it's forty four four ten minute quarters. So it's the twenty minute halves for the men and the ten minute quarters the yeah. women's. Right, right, yeah. Um. Thank you. I forgot. I knew no, that. and they anyway, got the media um, timeouts under five. I, I know it all now. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you probably can't roll out with six players or whatever. Like, you got to have subs and things like that. But I just can't imagine. Imagine it. And, those, like, what do those poor kids feel or thinking, you know? I, I can't. I just can't imagine. I can't. You got to think of the games, too, right? They They're... They're fourteen and four now. They were one and four in the Big Twelve, so they you know had a, obviously out of conference they were playing well. In conference they hadn't yet, and they were scheduled to play number seven Kansas State, like you mentioned in conference, and number twenty four Iowa State in conference. Now for a fourteen and four basketball team, it's one and four in conference. This these are games where hey, these these are where you kind of measure up. Like these are make or break games. These are big games for how they're going to look going seeding wise into the tournament, and they're forfeiting them. So now they go to one and six in the Big Twelve, and fourteen and six overall. Of course, overall is really going out the window now. I mean, come tournament time, you're kind of going to need it unless you you know do well in the Big Twelve tournament. But again, crazy. And, and again, they said it because of injuries, and they were uh, they had to ensure the health and safety of the program student athlete. And under Big Twelve rules, a school unable to field the team will forfeit the contest if no extraordinary circumstances exist. So I'm sure that that came into play post COVID and stuff like that. Um, and those are two ranked teams now that are getting wins added, just, and their players are staying rested as well. Okay, so the overall records will not be uh, will not be impacted, but they will be. So as a result, Iowa State and Kansas State will each be credited with a win in the conference standings, and TC will pick up two losses conference wise. Overall records will not be impacted. 
But like I said, not that it makes a difference because now that we're into the conference window, it doesn't particularly matter. So, and like you said, they'll be holding open tryouts to look for walk-on players interested in joining the Horn Frogs for the remainder of the season. Now, it was TCU point guard Jaden Owens. She suffered a torn ACL meniscus in her right knee on Saturday. And then 10 players saw action in that game. And then it was one of the forwards, uh, Deja Turner, attempted to play through an ankle injury. And then she had a season-ending surgery on her ankle. And then Sedona Prince sidelined indefinitely after breaking a finger. I'm sure another host of other injuries. So quite a wild injury uh, report there. And it's every sport that's dealing with it. It's just the way that it's going nowadays with you know the bigger, stronger, faster movement. And movement patterns have been compromised. And you know we, we're taking care of our body so much. But I think still at the end of the day with the way we're moving and sneakers and different things, they all have their unique effects. And we're just seeing people blow out ACLs, Achilles, different things on the basketball court. It's not a turf or grass thing. It's just a matter of how we're moving and how we've you know kind of you know, trained ourselves to move. And it's just an unfortunate situation to see with TCU there because those are every conference game is a big game, but more specifically for a team that's kind of trying to flip the conference skip, uh, script around. It doesn't go the other way. And of course, They'll be getting some backup next year, not now. I mean, they can't get her in there now, but I don't know if you know who the Cavender twins are. They were like the, with with Livy Dunn, they were the big mistresses, I guess you could say, of NIL. They they kicked the thing off. They've made millions, and the better twin, one of the twins isn't as good, the, the better twin that was really good at U-Miami last year and then stepped away because they did the whole WWE next thing, and now they're just doing the influencer thing. She's actually dating the Cowboys tight end, Jake Ferguson, now. Now she's going to TCU. That's that. I mean, it'd be one thing. I wonder if they were able to work something out with her where it's like a waiver or something to get her into. But it, it, it comes down to classes and enrollment, too. I mean, not them because they're just making millions. They're just doing it to play college ball, which is crazy right. how this is gone now with everything where it's just becoming really a semi professional organization. Yeah. It, it, so it's funny. A friend of mine works down at Providence College. And so now I'm a big Fries fan and whatnot. And, uh, they, you know, they just bought, lost their, well, maybe not their best player anymore. Devin Carter is probably their best player. Um, but lost Bryce Hopkins, who's an amazing college basketball player. Um, and they just picked up a kid, transferred from somewhere, like, seven-footer, just transferred in, starting second semester from, like, Arizona, some community college in Arizona. Um, he's enrolling in the college, but he can't play till next year. But he can practice with them and stuff. Like, so it's the same, probably the same thought that, you know she can't. She may not be able to play. Maybe she can get get in some practice and things like that. Um, but the whole NIL and I mean the transfer portal. I'm sure that's a topic for another day. But holy cow, what a what a what a move! And you know, talking like we were just talking about some of our players being recruited or whatever. Um, and I said, hey, you know, a D three or a D two isn't the worst thing in the world. When you're six two and two fifteen and an athlete, you know, go get on a college weight program and uh, get with a trainer and go through a year and uh, it's it's almost like the minor leagues, you know, single A to double A, and you never know what could happen. Be a good student, work hard. <laughs> you may find yourself somewhere else. You know, we had a crazy. lot of it's crazy. We had a lot of D one transfers come into Dean. We had two wins. We were two and eight. And we proceeded to go one and nine. 
and like D1 kids were still falling down to us and and for different reasons um Holden yeah. Wilson had he, he broke his leg the bone came out of his leg in his fi- in his final high school football game he was I believe committed to Nebraska did an article on him when I was at yeah. school um, he had some D1 offers for sure broke his leg bone came out of the skin got in the dirt got infected he was actually um, he was dead at a period of time. They gave him too much anesthesia with the multiple surgeries he went through because part of his leg got graft and everything, and he went through so many surgeries. Uh, the anesthesia, he was actually dead. He, was, he wasn't pronounced dead, but they had to revive him. Um, and eventually, you know, makes his way back around. He goes, bounces through a couple different schools and then eventually ends up at Dean. Um, from Alabama to Dean. Crazy. Franklin, Massachusetts. Nathan Sisko, another kid we had, he played at the University of Idaho, of course, FCS. Um, from Franklin, Tennessee. From Franklin, Tennessee to Franklin, Massachusetts. Funny little story for you there. Um, and Cisco's a great dude. Big Titans fan. Um, he played quarterback, and he just got, I mean, offensive line wasn't the strength of Dean College at the time where he was there, so uh, concussions became became his issue, unfortunately. But we And we had, uh, what was his last name? Mooney. Moses Mooney. And Moses Mooney was a D1 receiver. He played at um, Columbia with my head coach where he was the DB's coach. And I think he played at Cal Berkeley for like a year or something. And then, no, it was uh, UC Irvine. Is it Irvine? Yeah, UC Irvine's at that way too, I believe too. Yeah, it was UC Irvine. I don't know if they're FCS or if they're FBS, but and came to us. And ridiculous. So we had some ridiculous talent. He even dropped down to us and we're not one of the better D3s. So, yeah, no, I think with NIL and everything, more specifically, the amount of names that run through the portal, and then you just run out of space and you run out of scholarships and they fall into your lap. And it allows for people that want to, you know, compete and prove you can compete and move up. You really can use it, like you said, as a minor leagues. Yeah, which is tough as a high school kid now. Because unless you're that, you know, head and shoulders of anyone else, it's almost like high school kids have to start at a lower level, maybe an FCS, before they can get a bid and move up, you know? And just a, a crazy thought to, th- to see how that's going down. Yeah, and the prep and the post-grad as well, too. But like you said, conversation for another day, and it certainly would be a good one. I'd love to bring it on. I know some people locally that have played at Tabor. Actually, one of the kids at Holy Cross, Nugent, he played at Tabor, basketball guy. Uh, Sam Parks, a guy I ran into with uh, the Brockton Rocks. He played baseball at Tabor. Well, of course, they played other sports, too, because you got to play two sports at Tabor, at least for us locally in Marion, Massachusetts. But hopefully we have the chance to call some of his Stonehill games as well coming up, too, um, this season. But we will round it out with some NFL playoff picks. What I've been doing for most of the season is Lucas's locks, which I don't have the final numbers for what I did on Lucas's locks, but I did win my pool this year, so very happy about winning my pool. Because an extra thousand dollars for the housewarming gift was very nice. Big fan of that. And um, I think Lucas's locks finished pretty well over five hundred by the end of it. So being able to say that I you know made picked every game against the spread this season, not all of them on Lucas's locks, but yet still obviously knowing that I won the pool and finished at least sixty percent. You know went with a good sixty percent winning percentage, at least pretty well over fifty percent, even if it wasn't sixty. Uh, makes me feel good about myself. Not that I'm like this like pro sports handicapper here, but I like to be right. So I'll, yeah. I'll certainly do it when I have the opportunity to. So without further ado, NFL playoffs music should cue, although I can't hear it. So we might have to re-rack this music here. There's the music. 
I can hear Chris Berman already. Oh, and the music cued out. Oh, the second I mentioned Chris Berman. We need this. I need this music to work. So I could already hear the, the booming voice of Chris Berman. First up, Texans, Ravens, and Baltimore. Of course, Baltimore off the bye. We lost the music again. God, I wish this music would work. Um, um, Ravens minus nine over the Texans. CJ Stroud coming off that big first playoff victory. Who do we like here? Minus nine, huh? It's it's a crazy it's a crazy big spread. I think that I think the not I, I mean I'll take the Ravens in a win, but I don't know if I can take it at nine. I think nine's too big. I think it's going to be tighter than tighter than tighter than appearance. I think the Texans are actually pretty good. I, I, I again Lamar off the bye. I mean you have something to prove there. If you're Baltimore and they've kind of maybe faltered in the past. Um, at times, so it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, they're able to respond to kind of some of the doubts as well too. Um, but C.J. Stroud off a big performance. How do you respond to an emotional um, victory? Them, him, and Jordan Love, and some, and D'Amico Ryan, the young head coach. We're gonna have to see uh, how it goes for them. And again, C.J. Stroud has done pretty well without Tank Dell, but this is kind of a game where I think that you kind of need a Tank Dell. Um, their defense has made uh, opposing quarterbacks look not so great and of course when you have guys rested up the, the Ravens are going to have Mark Andrews back I don't like him to cover the spread either but I do like the Ravens to win and the Texans to cover the spread there moving on to Packers 49ers god the music gets a little further every single time before it cuts out I'm wondering if when I go back with the recording it's still going to be the technical difficulties we're working on it though Packers 49ers is going to be the next one up on that Saturday and again, this is a little this is a little Shanahan tree action here, with of course Lafleur having made the move up to the Packers, and you have Jordan Love who has had one of the most like I don't even know most incredible like half season swings that I've ever seen. He went from barely completing fifty percent of his throws to being a stud. They are nine and a half point underdogs to the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara, California. And the 49ers are off the bye. Who do you like in this one? Nine is by a million. Nine is to cover the whole <laughs> shebang thing. Nine is by a million. Damn the Packers for picking another quarterback that got to treat right and develop into a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Just not this year. Nine is by a million. Uh, I. I it, CMC, man. Can't stop it. Can't stop it. It's it, You're playing with house money if you're the Packers, right? You are, you, you, you just, you've made your money back. You pulled your money out. You hit big on one of those free FanDuel $200 bets. You, you, <laughs> you, you, you pulled your deposit out. Now you're just working with whatever you can make on top of that. Mm-hmm. I don't. They, they made it into the dance, and if it wasn't for my Saints gag and a 17 nothing lead in like whatever week it was, they might not even be here, but... I don't know. I, 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 can we? Can I see them responding to the emotional? I, I, I would like the Packers to cover in this one, but just because I think that Brock Purdy, in terms, he's the only quarterback that wasn't drafted in the first round. I don't know where you're drafted; doesn't matter. But I do think that you know Purdy hasn't exactly been as stellar and as advertised as of late in this season. And Jordan Love's coming off a good game. Uh, I could see this being tight early, 
and the, the 49ers starting to pull away late, maybe an oh by the way from the Packers. I just don't see him getting more than a touchdown. It's going to be a touchdown game. Um, it might not be tight the whole way, but I can definitely sense the oh by the way from the Packers. So we'll have to see, but we will transition into the Sunday games with the Buccaneers and the Lions at 3 o'clock, which is uh, it's interesting. Detroit favored by 6.5. I think it should probably be a little bit more, but Baker Mayfield, man, he's found a way to revive his career. Good for him. Good for Baker. I mean, talk about another team that snuck in there, you know, to do what they did last week, just drubbing, if you will, of, of a team that just fell apart. Um, I, 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 But I, I think 6.5 is probably not enough. I, I, I like the Lions to cover. Dan Campbell, going to get real excited. I love it. I want to see it. I'm here for it. Um, I just think that runs out next week, but that's for next week's problem. Do you want to be the hammer or the nail or biting off kneecaps? It doesn't – It either way, it doesn't matter either <laughs> way. It, it, I'm, get, I'm fired up when the coaches start you know, getting – and that's another former player who's been there and done it and, and getting kind of on the younger side, so – I like again. I like the Lions to cover as well too. I kind of teased it when I said like I can't believe that it's only six and a half. Um, and you mentioned you might not like the Lions as a Super Bowl team. Oh, there's the music again. We got we got the music back again. I think it's still going with the levels. God, I it's probably gonna be and it's gonna be all messed up when I go back to look at this with the recording. But it's whatever at this point. Lions six and a half minus six and a half. I like them to win and cover. Might even be the Lions might be a Super Bowl team, and I talked about it earlier in the season. And I was like, "This the Lions are a Super Bowl team. They're going to beat the Ravens. The Ravens went out and embarrassed them. We'll see how they are able to. You know, if they there's no better matchup for them than this Buccaneers team, considering that the Buccaneers are two and five against playoff teams this year. And on top of that, like the Lions offense, like I don't care how good the Buccaneers defense is, like the Lions are going to score at least twenty some points. And I can't say the same about this Buccaneers team." Because the Lions' defense, while might not, it's kind of a bend but don't break, and they just kind of they do break often, but they do force turnovers. And one, if they can get Baker for one and change field position once and swing it from fourteen nothing early. I don't see the Buccaneers being able to, you know, stock back up on some firepower at that point to be able to get back into the game. So I do like the six and a half. I do like them to cover. The only one we're different on right now is the the Packers and 49ers, and I do agree with you. I don't know how they've hit. The lottery again with another quarterback. But we're going on to the final game. And speaking of lottery with quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes going at it again. Another playoff battle. But the only difference this time from recent memory, it's in Buffalo. They had volunteer people shoveling out the seats with the snow. But then again, it was negative 20-something in Kansas City. So the weather won't play into it. But you will have Bills Mafia cheering on the hottest quarterback in the world right now, in Josh Allen, M- minus you three know, Buffalo. Yeah, I, I think that's a push. Uh, you could go either way on that one. Uh, oh, I, my heart tells me Buffalo was my Super Bowl pick weeks ago, and, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Kansas City's defense uh, just has decided to show up all of a sudden after and. But in Rashi Rice has stepped in. I mean, I think I forget who said it. It was one of the post games. Pacheco was running like he was angry at the ground. I love stuff like that, <laughs> you know. And I have a hard time. Like he's from New Jersey, I'm not so. Uh, well, he, he, then he is angry. He's angry at everything. <laughs> um, 
I'm not a huge Mahomes fan. I just feel like the, the glazing is a bit much for me. <laughs> but uh, I gotta stick with my gotta stick with my hat. Go Bills. I don't like three points though. I don't at all. It, it, I don't it, like three points. Do, it's, it would be crazy to take the Chiefs to cover and the Bills to win with a three-point game. Like a 24-23. Am I nuts? Am I crazy? A missed extra no, point in the crazy up. weather? That's that's what I'm thinking. I, I think you throw Josh Allen's inner, like the stats out the window and just watch the dude play. To forget about the turnovers and everything. He's a game-breaker. And I saw a video earlier where it showed like a, it was comparing Michael, uh, Michael Vick to Lamar Jackson, the running styles. And I'm like, you know what? Lamar Jackson doesn't even run like Michael Vick. You know who does run like Michael Vick? Josh Allen. He, they're powerful runners. They have some finesse guys, the Steve Youngs and, you know, Lamar Jackson's. Like, they have more of the finesse guys. Th- their athleticism, the strength. And I, I think right now the way that he's playing and the weapons that he has as well, too, is, is a big part of this because I just don't know if Mahomes can keep up with him with his weapons. And, again, if... I don't think that the Chiefs have the firepower anymore to get into a shootout. I'm not saying it's going to be because the Chiefs' defense is formidable, but I just think that there's a little bit of an edge there with the way Josh Allen's been playing and the weapons that he has, especially with Dawson Knox back from injury. Combined with Kincaid and the fact that Joe Brady actually likes to run the ball with anybody but Josh Allen. The fact that they've had a, just gonna say, a balanced cook, offense. Cook. Feed him. Feed Cook. Feed the kid, man. Feed so. Him. I like the Bills to win. I do like the Chiefs. 24-23. Let me just settle on that score. And that's what I'm going to rock with for this one. We can hear the music again. I think we've been able to hear it the whole time because it was getting levels. Um, So work in progress there. But a a full production here. Made it through a couple of different topics. I appreciate you joining me, Coach Mendes. Brandon Mendes, once again, the Section 1 high school football coach of the year also the massachusetts miaa coach of the year leading a talented cougars football squad to the quarterfinals amongst a host of injuries but still a load of talent to return and a lot of changes coming forward so be on the lookout for the article with coach mendes as well breaking down those accolades in the season any closing comments from you coach want to say but absolute pleasure as always i love getting together with you talking some sports talking about things you know we're both passionate about and uh you know five i'm, I'm happy to be a five five timer when the time comes you know what i mean uh, but thank you so much for the article and thank you for having me on always a pleasure my man so i'll, I'll bring the music out there wish i could have faded that out we're, we're working on things we're gonna work we're working on things here um once again anybody that wants to leave a voicemail for uh, any of the episodes going forward. Of course, we'll have the games this weekend, and then I'll be back on the show next week. I think we got George Bannister next week, one of my broadcasting partners at Holy Cross. So, once again, Coach Mendes, thank you for tuning in. And for anybody that wants to leave a voicemail that I will react to live on the air, you can see the number on your screen there, 508 Also, be sure to like and follow the podcast wherever you're tuning into it, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or more and also the social medias that are all linked below in the description of course i'll be tagging coach mendy's on the twitter not let's x now the x sphere and other things as well you'll be able to find his social media handles as well there too as you can keep an eye on when he possibly could be named the national high school football coach of the year so be sure to stay tuned for that but once again coach thank you for joining me and free boy rufus in the rufus rundown signing off